Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash have a drink show. So we dive so we dive once more into the belly of the macro beast. It's time to talk about cores. Are they the lesser evil or just as bad as ABM Bev? And who actually owns them? Miller? Molson? Burt Reynolds? We try to get to the bottom of that, at least this episode. So, crack open a silver bullet, or not. Either way, it's time to have a drink. have a drink show where you learn along with us about what you drink i'm Brittany lee walker i'm justin frazier and i'm christopher walker so it's nice for the three of us to be in the same place again you say that like we haven't been here for like at least a day now (laughs) it's been a weird weekend you guys so yeah uh hopefully you all finally got to hear uh barley wine since uh we had to do that one twice yeah it's live but the audio still isn't posted so because i gotta mess with that you'll get to that there's gonna be a lot of editing between like tomorrow and tuesday (laughs) so so what's everyone been up to what what could possibly have brought us together it's oktoberfest zenzanati yeah if if we sound a little worse for wear it's Uh, because we are it turns out (laughs) we're at oktoberfest all day and if you want to know what that was like uh, there are several live streams up on our uh, our Twitch page. Yeah, I think we did three different live streams. Well, uh, Friday we did the Running of the Wieners. Oh, you four, can sit, yeah. You can catch all the Running of the Wieners. Uh, that's up there. We did the opening ceremonies with Jim Cook from Sam Adams. Which is fantastic. And then you get a few hours of roaming around the fest with us. Yeah, just, just an IRL situation. Got a little, got a little damp. It uh, Weather was a little wet. It was... It, so it Trying rained. not to say it. Trying real hard. In terms of water. Or it's the wettest. Yeah. Yeah. The wettest Oktoberfest we've ever had. Not ours. Um, but yeah, no, it, it rained, but like it wasn't... It was nice that it wasn't like this torrential downpour, like, you know, where we just couldn't deal with it. It was just... It was enough rain that it was like, oh, I'm damp, you know. <laughs> Everyone kind of like rushes into the... the into like you know everywhere there's shelter like oh i've got to be careful and i'm like all the people who weren't prepared for the day it seemed were like huddled under the 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 things and and then tents and we're just walking around going like this is the best (laughs) the all of the all of us like pasty people who (laughs) this don't like summer look how short all the beer lines are this is awesome just walking around this is our town now (laughs) yeah it really did feel like we were in portland again it was amazing yeah, it was great. Um, so I'm trying to think of some standout stuff. Uh, some pretty great sausages. Yeah, you guys and, got to at least have the beers. So I mean, there, uh, the food was good this year. We did have I, some different food. I have my new favorite story, which is I I traded my services yes. for beer. Like they, they I, I'm in line at Erdinger, and they're like, "Oh, we need to." It's like, it's like, oh, I was like, "Yeah, just give me an Oktoberfest." Sorry, our keg just ran out. Who has to change it? Like, like I don't know how. I don't know how. I can do it. They look up like, wait, really? I'll teach the boy. Yeah. Just let me back in there. I'll fix it. You don't have to pay for your beer. All awesome. Right. <laughs> I wasn't even part of the deal, but sure. That's amazing. And I just kind of crawl back into the into their cooler. They're like, now which one is it? Well, if that line's going to this, which color is your Oktoberfest? Screen cap. All right. I got you. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, you just pull the thing out and twist it on. It's not a difficult process. That's what she said. 
But as we as we discussed earlier, like for a lot of those booths, they just get like random yeah. volunteers and stuff. Yeah, so. they don't really know what's going on. Yeah. They're also like, why is the CO2, CO2 weird? And I was like, I don't know. Like this gauge is showing zero, and I reach over and touch a uh, touch a switch and just turn it on, and it goes, "Hey, look, it's showing something now." I think you had it off. <laughs> so you just helped that booth for the rest of the day, kind really. Of. Or they exploded a couple hours later. I don't know. Oh. We didn't see their shattered remains. We came by later, so mm, yeah, Very they were true. still they were still going. Um, Food wise, everyone. I I was happy. I got the sauerkraut balls that I wanted. Um, I got the, I, I'm going to call it a slider, even though they didn't, because <laughs> I didn't realize how small it was going to be, the, the burger from Tickle Pickle. Oh, yeah. It was good. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it was, uh, it was called, it was called Halmstein because all their stuff is named after, um, rock bands, rock bands or, or yeah, just rock in general, I guess. But the guy, when I ordered it said Hamstein. And I, and I almost died. And and again, like, it's volunteers. named after Romstein. Again, volunteers. Yeah. Running booths. But it just, it, I was like, oh. But no, the, the burger was good. It was, it, was, uh, it was essentially a Reuben burger in reality. Like, that, that's what it was. Um, what else did I get? Oh, and the, the pierogies were fine. Um, I remember them being better in years past, but they were good. My favorite thing, of course, was the uh, funnel cake battered deep fried pumpkin roll. <laughs> yes. Um, and then... If you're into that kind of thing, I guess. Yeah. I feel like I had something else, like, real food related to eat. Oh, and then... So I got a potato pancake at the place I got the sauerkraut balls. Mm. And then I really, like, as I was eating it, I was like, I really wish I would have just gone to Izzy's to get a potato pancake, because that was just sad. Why didn't you go to Izzy's for your potato pancake? I don't know. Because at the time, I was, like, on the... I hadn't gotten the sauerkraut balls yet. I was on a mission. (laughs) And I saw that they had potato pancakes, and I was like, oh, okay, we'll just, we'll just do this. And it was just weird and sad and thin. <laughs> That's also what she said. There. <laughs> Although that, that booth was interesting because they did um, cocktail sauce with the sauerkraut balls, which I've never seen done before. And it was pretty good. All right, then. They just thought they were hush puppies. <laughs> so I think this is the first year no one went with the deep-fried peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I, yeah. Uh, because we kept making different rounds, and it, there, it was there was a lot of desserts. It was placed very poorly. Like by the time we it was in a came, random spot, yeah. The, everybody's hands were full, or so everyone had just finished eating something, and no one was no one was down. Plus, and this year they had uh, again because the menus changed. This year they had that empanada truck when we first got there, which Ian got the last empanada out of their first batch. And they're like, yeah, it's going to be like twenty or thirty minutes where we have any more. Oh wow! <laughs> but he he they did were not prepared. So many places weren't prepared. Okay, so first off, it was he got this apple pie empanada, which looked amazing. But half the places were running out of stuff. And I'm like, where? Are you, what are you guys doing? And this like, was the morning <laughs> of the first day. Yeah, like it was like you know one or, you know, noon, one in the afternoon, it was something like that. And it was like uh, the Mecklenburg ran out of sauerkraut balls. Uh, uh, Izzy's ran out of pastrami. <laughs> How does Izzy's run out like, of pastrami? What does that even mean? You know, like there's a whole lot of that sense. I don't even know what it means. <laughs> there, there were so many places that were running out of various food items, and I'm like, what are you people <laughs> preparing for? Like, what's happening right now? The beverage side of things was very good, though. Yeah, they had. It was all the mainstays. Um, had that. Uh... Last thing we grabbed was that that blueberry. Oh yeah, oh, that smelled blue, amazing. Blueberry cobbler, cobbler from uh, Braxton. Braxton. Oh, it that was, was that was that was pretty good. Uh, the one before was 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 all right too. It was the, the raspberry raspberry milkshake. milkshake. Uh, but I don't know. Like it, generally, I just walking around from place to place. Give me your Oktoberfest, or just give me your Oktoberfest. Yeah, just. Yeah, dump, this dump year nobody beer. really. Yeah, you guys didn't seem to like deviate much from the, in you know whatever a lot of brands. Them, a lot of them we had had. Yeah. So it wasn't like we need. <laughs> Look, I was there for one thing, and it was Mer- Mertens. I needed to. <laughs> it's like, Mertens Day, yeah. <laughs> essentially. So I kind of just locked into a speed and just stayed there. I had a Pilsner from Fretboard. It was pretty good. But you got the five one three or something like that. Didn't oh you? yeah, I also sucked down a five one three because. Hey, the Sam Adams beer made in Cincinnati for Cincinnati, only in Cincinnati. Yeah. So you got something else. I feel like there was maybe a couple people got some different stuff. But, I mean, for the most part, yeah, you guys were just like, 
Anyway, I got this Oktoberfest. <laughs> and speaking of Sam Adams, everyone needs to go check out the opening ceremony stream that we did. Jim Cook delivered. This, he was. <laughs> a, it's like the third drunkest I've seen him. Yeah, he was. You think he's got a problem? <laughs> he wasn't drunker. I mean, he was already gone, and it's not an act. No, no. you can tell. I mean, part of me is like maybe his liver is just like half hops at this point. But so as he goes up there and already fills up a giant, a full stein, like a liter. He has. He just. Before the ceremony starts, he's like, I need a leader. Fills it up. When he finally walks up there, he has to give himself a refill. And then it's time for the actual opening ceremony when uh, everyone's getting ready to, you know, raise their steins. So he's got to fill everybody's up. Well, then he tops his off. Right. (laughs) And then he fills it up again after the whole thing's said and done. So he went through, like, three liters of beer. Yeah. In the course of... An hour? 45 (laughs) minutes. Yeah, because it wasn't that long of a ceremony this time. But uh, we could we could have cut down on the uh, number of songs from the um, the horns, uh, the whatever those are called. I have I do not remember the old Bavarian like mountain horns. Like yeah, yeah we could cut back on. All that. I know is I wanted some cough drops. <laughs> yeah. it was it was cool because uh, I think that you know I don't know if they've done that before, but um, I feel like it took less time for them to announce. All of the freaking German societies that exist. Yeah. And was it just me, or are there a lot more regular people there to watch it than usual? Like, usually it's just I, a No, I said the same us. thing. There was, like, a, a ton of people there. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it, it seemed kind of crowded, but usually I'm, like, in the back of a crowded table of us, and I'm making inappropriate jokes. Right. And Which I did. <laughs> I, mission accomplished. Well, like, this time, not only were there the, the jerks who... <laughs> Wanted to, like, get in front of us. They even see though... a camera and they're like, oh, no, that's where I need to stand. Yeah. Oh, God, that drove me crazy. But, like, the people, like, they're all around the front area. And it's like, we've been here since 930 this morning? Or, or no, yeah. no, we 10, 10 a.m., really, by the time we got there. And everybody just, like, rushes to the front. And it's just like, seriously, guys? And then, but then if you look behind us, it was just, like, all the people. Like, I feel like it hasn't been that crowded in quite a while. Yeah. You know, I will say there was something missing. We missed a Casey. Yeah, yes. because uh, he's at his new. He's at a, he's left us for his his new his new uh, 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 festival friends. Yes, uh, Casey was at or is at currently at Great American Beer Fest out in Denver, uh, sending us pictures, going, "Oh look, Sam Calgioni's working the uh, dogfish booth oh, here." Look, uh, oh look, there's free chicken wings. Yeah. <laughs> It's like Casey. We I happened this. upon a beer fest before I got to the beer fest. Yeah. <laughs> he is the well, what was it? we've been calling him the Tom Bombadil of drinking. Yes, <laughs> just, just everywhere he goes turns into alcohol greatness. It's like, oh, I missed my train. Oh, I'll go wait upstairs. What's this? A beer fest has broke out. Yeah. While I'm getting ready to take the train to a beer fest. This is funny. I wonder if like Jim Cook is like sad that he's he's never. He never seems to be able to go to GABF anymore because it seems like the no, same weekend. There. He was there because we were talking in the news show. He gave a talk oh, the that was first yesterday. Friday yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And then he guess he hopped on a plane and headed back over here in time for this. And then he we just assumed honestly, he was still drunk. Yeah. Well, he probably honestly got back on a plane and headed back to GABF to close out. Goodness. Thankfully, he's not flying the plane. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully he takes a nap. <laughs> it'll be a couple episodes before Casey's back on, and then we'll get to hear all about GABF and some trends and things and yeah, what uh, what was going on there because Casey had uh, two different uh, times mm. that he was going to be down there. He had two yeah. different tickets, so I uh, can't remember exactly where all he was interested in hitting up. I do know he was going to be hanging around New Holland's booth because he had to share that tap schedule with us. <laughs> yeah, that was nuts. Nothing but uh, Dragon's Milk variants and a bu- most of them well, never barrel been aged and and whatnot. Well, barrel aged anyway, but well, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, like, but like some of it was like crazy. Um, wasn't there like a first use bourbon one? barrel? First yeah. use bourbon barrel. Second use bourbon barrel, and then like four or five of the variants, and it was it was crazy. Um. Yeah, so that's uh, we've been up to a lot this weekend, um, and hopefully when we can all get together again, we'll be able to discuss a bit more on some other things. 
But uh, we want to let everybody know our next live episode. No. Our next non-live episode. Our next episode's not going to be live. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But it will be posted by Monday, October 1st. And this is going to be... This is actually a listener suggestion. Um, This is going to be covering weird alcohol laws. Yes. So, um, I believe Tyler suggested this one a while ago. And if you have any uh, show idea suggestions, uh, you can do that at any of our contact points. Or it's easiest, because we have a whole... Discord. Yeah, we have a whole Discord channel to nothing but topic ideas. Yeah. Um, which I think is where it's, it was submitted initially. Yep. Yeah. Um, also, to remind everyone, Drinktacular. Uh, that's going to be February 22nd to the 24th in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, and you can check our... The, uh, we've got a um, kind of a cover page thing for updates on the website. Uh, in addition to, um, you know, just become a patron if you want. And... Uh, You'll get those updates super fast. <laughs> you'll, get them, you'll get them sooner than we remember to update them to the side. <laughs> Wasn't going to go there, but yes, basically. <laughs> well, no, because we'll put them there first. Yeah, yeah. It, patron, patrons are priority, and then everything else. Um, okay. That's what happens when you give us money, <laughs> it turns out. You're our boss. we got to report in. I think we have a little news, speaking of Sam Calgione. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, the headline here from Brewbound says, To navigate the noise, Dogfish Head sharpens its focus and bets on Indie Seal. No, no one's going to make a seal noise? It'll be old Bob. All right. I don't have that. <laughs> I was like, I, I don't have the vocal energy for... During a meeting with his company's distribution partners, Dogfish Head founder and CEO Sam Calgione compared the brewery to a shark. Gasp. <laughs> In order to survive, it must keep swimming forward. The message behind this visualization, which Calgione made while standing in front of an actual shark uh, circling inside of the National Aquarium in Baltimore, uh, Maryland was clear. Competition within the beer industry is at an all-time high, and the number of U.S. breweries breweries speeds towards 7,000. Isn't that a glorious number? Mm -hmm. And companies that stand still risk going out of business altogether. So, in order to stay alive, Dogfish Head, which has grown off-premise volume sales uh, by more than 13% over the last 32 weeks, com- uh, compared just 1.4% volume growth for the craft category, is embarking on a number of initiatives <clears throat> that are intended to help the company uh, maintain maximum profitability while simultaneously allowing it to better compete for more retail occasions. Uh, speaking to a room full of beer wholesalers and brewery employees on Tuesday morning, Dr. Shedd executives unveiled their 2019 plans along with an ask. Uh, Dogfish wants its distribution partners to prioritize sales of a 60-minute IPA and Sea Quench Ale, uh, which is in the top-selling sour beer in the U.S. and boasts dollar sales growth of 160% this year. Wow. That's big, but I can completely see it because that is a great crushable sour beer, mm-hmm. and that's one that we've been able to take and give to you know regular beer drinkers, people who don't do craft. And there's like, no, this is they've never had a sour beer. Yeah, and they're like, oh, this is actually this is this is much more palatable than I thought it was going to be. I was like, yeah, you're like, well, have I got some things for you? <laughs> um, but what they were saying is, we believe it's okay to have more than one flagship. Neil Stewart, uh, the company's vice president of marketing, said, "Our consumer marketing." is going after these two brands. I don't know if I would use 60-minute IPA. 90 minutes of much. 90's a lot more solid. But, you know, takes less time to do 60. Yeah, it's going to be cheaper, and obviously you want something a little more toned down to be your go-to. But what is this saying for uh, for uh, all-day IPA? That's already their main one, and they said they're getting ready to focus on... Isn't that Founders? Oh, yeah, it is. Never mind. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. In doing so, the company is also making a considerable bet on the Brewers Association Independent Craft Brewer Seal, which was introduced last year as a tool to help small independent-owned breweries dif- differentiate their products from those owned by larger corporate entities. <clears throat> Dogfish, which sold a 15% stake to private equity firm LNK Partners in 2015, but is still considered independent in the eyes of the Brewers Association, 
will introduce a new 60-minute IPA branding that prominently displays that indie seal. I mean, it's, well, what is it, uh, 20, it's 23 or 24% this year allowed to sell and still be considered craft? It's got to stay under 25, I think. Yeah, basically under 25 because founders... So like 30%? 30, and they're not considered. <clears throat> so it's time for the indie craft to take back the IPA style, Calgione said. Uh, we're going to lean into the seal, and we're going to make it as big as we possibly can. Uh, beyond the big bet on the indie seal and focus on its two flagship beers company has also asked its uh, distributors to pick three additional offerings to focus on, rounding out what it calls its high five. Hmm. Now, is that going to be a a slick reference to Ready Player One? That's immediately what I thought of, but... <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling not. Right, uh, it yeah. might just be us. <laughs> okay. It also could be a reference to, to the gesture where one holds their hand up and another person slaps it. Oh, nobody Call does that anymore. High <laughs> Look, I would prefer a much, a much more health-conscious fist bump. Howie keep, Mandel keep, style. <laughs> keep your, keep your palms, your sweaty, gross palms away from my sweaty, gross palms. Don't, please don't. <laughs> we cannot come with a one-size-fits-all plan," said Todd Bolig, uh, Doctor's Head's vice president of sales. We want to develop local plans for your markets and local pricing strategy. That I think will be the biggest push of all this Mm -hmm. is uh for different markets change the prices to be able to work your way in there that's something i saw um should have brought it up earlier when we were doing uh traveling for work and seeing some of the specials at different places and some of them it's so weird to see that a lot of craft stuff cheaper than the other beers like Mm -hmm. your uh bud miller cores because they'd be selling it in the in a bigger glass, all of it, and for some reason the crafts were always like extremely marked down in those bigger glasses, and would come out cheaper than getting a Budweiser hmm. in one of those big glasses. It's th- there could go a couple of ways. Part of that, it's also like could just be moving the product, yeah, in that market because it's not selling. All right, uh, the approach, which is aimed at customizing go-to market strategies. The vary from market to market will also include an effort to narrow the gap between where 60-minute IPA is priced and where others in the competitive set are positioned. Uh, speaking to Brewbound, Steve Almaraz, Alm- uh, the craft category manager for Ray's Beverage Group, uh, sure. West Coast Division, said he was impressed by Dogfish Head's simplified and customized approach. Uh, they really identified that not everything is going to be the same and that they really have to have indi- individualized the markets. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, the, you can look and see that it's not working, like exactly what has been working in the past. Mm-hmm. It's starting to fall out and you got to change. Yeah, and, and trying to, to make individual markets more unique, I guess, in some, some ways can... Could probably help them get a little bit more back, you know, focusing on I sell this to this area to get, you know, yeah. But it's uh don't don't fret for dogfish; they're not in any trouble. A uh, year-to-date off-premise sales for dogfish art series beers are up fifty-seven percent. They'll so, be fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, nevertheless, the company's average price per case, which leads the craft category, is down about thirty-four cents to. $50.73 for a case. Hmm. Not bad that those prices are coming down. Um, I don't know. This is... I just kind of expect it from Sam now. Yeah. He's a very business-forward guy. And this is his baby. He is still down brewing the beer. He's very about his beer, yeah. He is all... Like, he's in every different level of dogfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doing everything. And I still think that's why I love the beer there. I love him and everything about it. I really hope Casey took the time to meet him. Yeah. I mean... We've had very few... I say very few. I honestly can't think of any, actually. But (laughs) we've had very few bad things from Dogfish Head. Uh, They just keep producing quality. And and they do still come out with new things. Like... Yeah. As opposed to... Like, you know, we've we've kind of gone over the... uh, 
I say, what was our story last the Sam week? Adams thing, where it's like, eh, they, the, they keep up, but... The new wood-aged program that they started on oh, yeah, Fish, yeah. I believe. Justin, what was it called? Oh. Uh, they have the, the wooden... Wouldn't, wouldn't it, it be, be nice. nice? Which will get that song in your head for the rest of time. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. No, this is okay. great to see their approach to this, as uh, you're seeing a bunch of other companies uh, just banding together, kind of what their approach has been. So you had the... Uh, was it like the Craft Alliance or something hmm. from uh, Oscar Blues and a bunch of other breweries that came yeah. together, Cigar City, and so uh, Dogfish gonna take a different approach than everyone else. Yeah, I don't know. It's good. It, it's gonna be interesting to see how it pays off. All right, bull strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it pays <laughs> off. Yeah, we, so, need, uh, we really just need that clip at some point. <laughs> we do. So for the first time in a few weeks. We actually have some untapped badges. Get riggedy, riggedy, wrecked, son! Woo! Uh, Alright. That's tiny. <laughs> That's what she said. So, first up, we have uh, the Cheers to Independent Craft Breweries. Yeah. It's time to be a beer patriot, to seek out the taste of independence. More than 3,800 breweries throughout the. Uh, Throughout the United States, have adopted the Brewers Association Independent Craft Seal. It's your mission to seek out that seal, shaped like an upside-down beer bottle, and support these small independent craft brewers. Complete your mission, and you will not only be rewarded with truly delicious craft beer, but with an all-new badge. Check into any badge from a brewery displaying the Independent Craft Seal. Uh, they have a list that you can look up. Uh, and you'll unlock Cheers to Independent Craft Breweries. You'll earn up to level 100, so be sure to continue to seek the seal. To earn level 1, you must check into one qualifying beer, and then every other uh, is uh, every other level is five different beers, for example. Level, oh, wow. two, yeah. level 2 is five different beers, level 3 is ten different beers, and so on. I had level 2 earlier today. <laughs> well, yeah. And there's a lot of participating breweries, so... <laughs> uh, it's basically all of them. Well, some of them we know that we you can't, so because like you can't just do founders or something because they're not. Yeah. All right. Well, what's the next one up? Uh, <laughs> this is for uh, beer lovers swarming Denver for GABF. Which is uh, funny because you can't actually check into a beer at GABF because as Casey has the described it, is it's like a black hole for internet and data. Like there's just so many people trying to do everything that no, you can't get cell signal out. And that just forget trying to use the Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, <clears throat> so beer lovers are descending upon Denver, ready to enjoy the amazing beers of the Great American Beer Festival. Uh, taking place between September 20th and 24th. Wow, I didn't realize it went on that long. Uh, GABF features hundreds of brewers, beers, and a wide variety of unique events for all to enjoy. For those lucky enough to partake in the festivities, be sure to check in to unlock this year's badge. All you need to do is check into any beer within a 10-mile radius of the festival. <laughs> Had to add that in there. Which is smart, actually. Uh, and the America's Premier Beer Fest 2018 badge is yours. Um, and, of course... Um, Full list of uh, untapped events. I know they were doing... Yeah, they, they've got untapped events. Uh, untapped.com slash G-A-B-F. Um, and, of course, they're going to have a booth there, which makes sense. Uh, yeah, Greg, uh, the co-founder of Untapped, is going to be hanging around a lot. Hmm. Their podcast is going to be doing a bunch of episodes down around there. If you get a chance to swing by and meet Greg, do it. He's a cool guy. We'll get to meet him. Yeah. Hmm. He was in town for the Seven Cities tour. That was fun. Right, right. Okay. Uh, I, I hear that train a-coming. I think it's about time for the actual topic. <laughs> He's pounded down, loaded up and trucking. Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound just like no bandit run. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Seems like a good place to end. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're talking about cores today. Uh, it's weird to say cores and not finish it with light. <laughs> it is, isn't it? You don't just have Coors, you know. <laughs> well, the story of Coors Brewing Company starts, as many of these breweries have, with a German immigrant. Adolf, Adolf Coors was born in Bar, uh, Barman? I thought it was Adolphus. Is it Adolf? No. That's, you're oh. thinking of Adolphus Bush. 
Jeez, with the German name. Okay. <laughs> Told you. There's a reason I wrote it that way. Adolf Kors was born in Barman uh, in Rhenish, Prussia. Wow. On February 4th, 1847. Going back. So, a fun thing researching this one. Wow. Is for Germany. Well, if you want to take the history back even further, which they suggested you do, but I thought we'll probably be doing an episode on Miller eventually, is mm. you have to go back with the Miller ancestor, which predates the Coors ancestor, and you also have to go back to the Leinenkugel ancestor, which also predates Adolf Coors. We could call this, like, part one. <laughs> Coors, Miller, and Leinenkugel are so intertwined that even the separate companies' histories on their websites are like start to co-mingle in, where they start talking about the diff- the separate company as though it is still part of. <laughs> wow. Like, it's really strange. Well, let's see. He was apprenticed at age 13 to the uh, book and stationery store near Ruhrat. Ruhrat? I don't know. Sure. In November uh, 1860. Until uh, June 1862. His mother died on April 2nd, 1962. Uh, 1862. She's 1962. She's an old <laughs> yeah. lady. Um, Go on. The Coors family moved to Dormund, Westphalia. Uh, in July 1862, uh, Adolf was apprenticed for a three-year period uh, at a brewery owned by Henry Winker. Not Winkler. I saw it, and I had to pause, and I was like, that's not what that says. I couldn't it? figure out uh, what, like, if, there's no links or any real notes of what that brewery was brewing at that time. Oh. Beer. So it was just a regional. Like a general, like, yeah. beer. Yeah. They were brewing beer. Uh, anyway, Henry Winkler in Dormund. <laughs> uh, Henry Winkler. See? W- w- Winker. Winkler. Winker. Probably Venker. Bender. Yeah, they don't have W's. Hey. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was charged a fee for his apprenticeship, so he uh, worked as a bookkeeper to pay for it. That is weird. Uh, his father died in, on November 24th, 1862. Not a good year for the yeah. Coors family. Uh, orphaned, Adolf completed his apprenticeship and continued to work as a paid employee at the Wenker Brewery, Wenker Brewery until May 1867. Uh, he worked at breweries in Kassel, uh, Berlin, and Ulsen? Ulsen? Ulsen, in Germany. In 1868, he came to the United States as an undocumented stowaway. Ah, just... And, and the immigration thing begins. <laughs> he sailed from Hamburg to New York City and then moved to Chicago, arriving on May 30th, uh, 1868. His name was changed from Coors, with a K, to Coors. K-O-H-R-S to the, the Coors we know today. Yeah. Know. Uh, he worked odd jobs for most of a year, but during the summer months, he worked as a brewer. Summer of uh, 1869, he managed to work his way up to Foreman, at John Stinger's Brewery in uh, Naperville, Illinois, about 35 miles west of uh, of Chicago. Hmm. On July 22, 1872, Coors decided he had had enough of the Midwest and it was time to taste the Rockies. Uh, he resigned from uh, Stringer's Brewery and uh, hopped the silver bullet to Denver, Colorado. Uh, after arriving in Denver, he purchased a partnership in a bottling firm from... John St- Steiderman. Uh, the same year, he bought and assumed control of the entire business. Wow, <laughs> he's a, he's a pretty good business. He was man. ambitious, you know. Like, you gotta give it to him. <laughs> following year, saw Coors become business partners with Denver confectioner Jacob Schuler uh, when they purchased an abandoned Golden City tannery and converted it into the Golden Brewery on November fourteenth, eighteen seventy three. Man, that had to have been one detail cleaning job. Seriously? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, clean out all this dead dead animal. <laughs> and make it right for brewing. So that's... Ugh. Anyway, uh, he con- though they set up the Golden Brewery, they did this after buying a recipe for a pils- Pilsner-style bill- beer from a Czech immigrant. Uh, we're gonna s- it says Czech, so I'm going to go with William Stillen. Yeah, I'm not, not sure how you would pronounce Stillen. his name, but that's interesting, Stillen. even though uh, Coors is such, you know, he has such the brewing experience with everything, they didn't use one of his recipes. I mean, he, yeah, <laughs> I'm guessing from the sound of it, he worked, he worked there, 
Maybe not necessarily as the brewer. Hmm. Like, I know he was apprenticed to one, but... But he was, like, the the, the business guy. Sounds like it. Uh, Schuller invested $6,000 at the start of Coors uh, and brought uh, $2,000 plus his uh, experience and expertise as a brewer. By February in 1874, they were producing beer for sale. Aside from having the job of, be- of brewing beer, Coors also personally sold and delivered, to it, uh, delivered it to his customers. In less than a year, the business had saw a considerable profit, and it grew more successful every year. Uh, in 1880, Coors purchased Schuler's interest, in, uh, and the brewery was renamed uh, Adolf Coors Golden Brewery. So, again, you're seeing he keeps taking on, oh, I'll take on a partner in this business. And then shortly after, buys it all from them yeah. and just buys them out. I'm like, nah, it's my business now. <laughs> this has for, been going on th- for a minute on the buying out thing. Thanks for your help. This is mine now. Get yeah. out. Let's see. At the time, the brewery, uh, at this time, the brewery is producing uh, 3,500 barrels a year. But within the next 10 years, production would jump to 17,600 barrels annually. Wow. In 1893, the World Fair held in Chicago. Uh, Coors landed a major win in the beer competition. It was awarded for its brilliancy, flavor, chemical analysis, and commercial flavor for its extra golden porter uh, stout porter. Huh. What? I, I don't... I don't know what that means. Golden being the like, name location. Not saying, yeah, okay. Like, like but, the new trend but stout of, porter, which one is it? <laughs> it's a stout porter. This is weird. <laughs> it bothers me. Well... The choice to start a brewery in Colorado may have been ill-timed for Coors, with Prohibition kicking off in uh, 1916 for the state uh, and going nationwide in 1919, giving him three extra years of those dark days. (laughs) Coors Brewing Company managed to survive Prohibition relatively intact. Years before the Volstead Act went into effect nationwide, Adolf Coors, uh, with sons Adolf Jr., Grover, and Herman, established the uh, Adolf Coors Brewing and Manufacturing Company, which included... Harold Porcelain and Harold, whatever. Harold, yeah. yeah. Uh, just looked weird. Harold. Harold, yeah. Porcelain and other ventures. The brewery itself was converted into a malted uh, malted milk and near beer production facility. Coors sold much of the malted milk to the Mars Candy Company oh. for the production of sweets. See, this is one of those points because that makes a lot of sense. Here is where they start getting commingled with uh, their history with Miller and. Like extracting these histories gets kind of like to keep them away from each other gets kind of complicated from this point moving kinda, forward. Gonna need to put you guys in your own separate corners. Yeah, because I'm uh, looking at this like, no, we need to do a full Miller episode. Well, uh, however, Coors and his son relied heavily on the uh, porcelain company as it was uh, uh, as a cement and real estate company to keep the Coors Brewing Company afloat. In 1933, after the end of Prohibition, Coors Brewery was one of the only handful of breweries that had survived. Adolf Coors would sadly not live to see the repeal of Prohibition, taking his own life on Ju- uh, July 5th, 1929, by leaping from a sixth-floor hotel window. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, by the time Prohibition ended in 19, uh, 1933, more than half the nation's breweries would not reopen. Man. So That went, that went to a different place entirely. <laughs> Uh, Adolf Kors history is not really a uh, a happy one. No, but I mean, before like, obviously that that time period, we can't really begin to say like what people were mentally going through. You know, it, it was a weird time, especially when your business is is mainly alcohol. It's also nineteen twenty nine. Yeah, like when when the stock market crashes. Yeah, yeah so like. There, that's a, like there's there's so much going on <laughs> that you know we can't even we're, we're not even going there but like he sounds like a very interesting person as far as like like holy crap this guy he knew was business sto- he was an immigrant stowaway an illegal immigrant to the country and he he and it boomed i feel like he was probably also a jerk oh he had to be <laughs> you can't you can't be a super nice just like business guy like that you know we think his little steve jobsy he may Walking have been into meetings ball high jean shorts <laughs> <laughs> all right so prohibition wouldn't be the only lean times for cores during world war ii brewing materials were hard to come by and coupled with the 15 percent of brewery production being provided to armed forces uh cores was forced to use the same strategy they had just a decade ago used in addition of dropping all brands except high life 
was the only beer they were producing during World War II, and pulling out of 17 states rather than sacrifice quality. You well, know, I can kind of kind of commend them at least for that. Like, no, we're not making worse product. Yeah, yeah. they could have gone back to making like a ton of near beer and stuff like that to get through like they did during Prohibition, but because there's a lot less you have to use to make it, but instead of doing that, there's like, we'll just keep making our regular product, there's going to be a lot less of it. Uh, so Coors rebounds, topping 1 million barrels annually by 1955. Uh, in 1959, Coors introduces the nation's first all-aluminum two-piece beverage can on January 22nd. The first cans are 7 ounces and 40% less weight than steel cans. Uh, the new uh, the new cans contribute to a 20% sales growth in test markets and come at the beginning of the American Recycling Revolution. Uh, they offered a penny to every can returned to the brewery. That, that's smart. Like, basically, they just sound like a really good, like, business-minded group <laughs> throughout all of this. Well, it wasn't their first uh, foray into recycling. Real early on, uh, you could return uh, glass bottles hmm. for a deposit back at the brewery. Uh, on February 9th, 1960, while on his way to work, this is this is another dark, so the family, family always on dark times. On February 9th, 1960, while on his way to work, Adolf Kors III, uh, the grandson of Adolf Kors, and heir to the Kors Brewing Company empire, was murdered at the age of 45 in a foiled kidnapping attempt on Turkey Creek Bridge near Morrison, Colorado, Jeez. by escaped murderer Joseph Corbett Jr., in Colorado. Uh, on the morning of February 9th, a milkman discovered Coors International uh, travel all on the bridge, empty of occupants and with the radio on. That's that's just an ominous scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Police identified the vehicle as belonging to Coors and began a search of the area that turned up Coors' hat, glasses, and a blood stain. Man, that's a movie right there. The Why fo- isn't there a movie on this? The following day, his wife Mary received a ransom note it in does the mail. Not have a good ending. Yeah, received a note in uh, the mail requesting five hundred thousand dollars for his safe release. The subsequent manhunt for Core's body and his assailant was the largest FBI effort following the Limburg baby. Wow. On September fifteenth, nineteen sixty, a shirt belonging to Core's and his skull were found in a remote area near Pikes Peak. A witness turned up that revealed he had seen a yellow 1951 Mercury with the letters AT and numerals uh, 6-2 somewhere in the license plate combination on the bridge around the time of Coors' disappearance. The car matching the description was found torched in a dumpster in Atlantic City. Or a New- dump. Oh, a dump. Yeah. <laughs> Although, if it had been in a dumpster, I'd start accusing, uh, start accusing Kryptonians. They're just picking up cars yeah. and throwing them in the... <laughs> So, investigators traced the car back to Colorado resident named Walter Osborne, who suspiciously moved out of his Denver apartment the day after the kidnapping. The name Walter Osborne was revealed to have been an alias for Corbett due to uh, an international obsession yeah, international obsession with the case, including a picture of Corbett and an issue of Reader's Digest. Corbett was recognized by two neighbors in Vancouver, B.C., and was arrested. Man. Investigators were able to trace the car's path by noting the rare ink feldspar and granite uh, minerals found in the area Coors body was discovered. Corbett was uh, convicted of first-degree murder on March 29, 1961, and sentenced to life in state prison. He was released on parole in 1980 for good behavior and drove a truck for the Salvation Army until he retired he died by suicide at the age of 80 in Is, August 2009. No one no one comes to a happy end in this story. No. He lived and died just 10 miles from where he killed Coors and always maintained his innocence. Hmm. <laughs> he shouldn't have been released in this my opinion. This family and everything like everything around the Coors family is just so bizarre. All right. It's just unfortunate. So as a We've teased a few things, uh, as you may have noticed in <laughs> coming into the topic. If you thought people traveling across the country for craft beer was a new thing, think again. We may all be going to New England or Wisconsin to pick up Treehouse and New Glarus, but back in the 70s, everyone was crossing the Rockies to bring back a case of Coors. In 1977, the American comedy classic Smokey and the Bandit debuted in cinemas, showcasing the late Burt Reynolds. 
uh, wealthy Texan, <laughs> Big Enos Burdett, and his uh, son, Little Enos, <laughs> seek a truck driver willing to bootleg Coors beer to Georgia for their refreshment. At the time, Coors was regarded as one of the finest beers in the United States, but it could not be legally sold east of the Mississippi River. Truck drivers who had uh, taken the bet previously had been caught and arrested by Smokey. Again, this is all the premise of the movie, but there is the truth behind it. Right, right. Uh, the Burdettes find legendary trucker Bo, Bandit, uh, competing in a truck rodeo, yada, 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 you all know. Classic stock car, yada, 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 snowman. <laughs> Everyone's keeping up, right? Yeah. I think we all know the basic premise of Smokey and the Bandit, Black Pontiac Trans Am. Divert yeah. attention away. Mm-hmm. All right, 1977 Coors was unavailable for sale east of Oklahoma. A 1974 Time Magazine article explains why Coors was so coveted that one would be willing to pay the bandit such a high price to transport it. Coors Banquet Beer had a brief renaissance as certain people sought it out for its lack of stabilizers and preservatives. I was going to say, like from the sound of it, it's the yingling of... yeah. Of the West. Yes and no. So the article says uh, that future uh, Vice President Gerald Ford hid it in his luggage <laughs> after a trip to Colorado in order to take it back to Washington. Uh, President Dwight D. Eisenhower had a steady supply airlifted to Washington by Air Force One. That's that's the most Eisenhower-sounding thing I can think of. The article also mentions uh, Frederick Amon, uh, who smuggled it from Colorado to North Carolina and sold it for four times the retail price. Man. The lack of additives and preservatives meant that Coors had the potential for spoiling in a week if it were not kept cold throughout its transportation and storage at its destination. This explains the 28-hour deadline given to Bandit. Okay. So, in 1978, Coors introduced Coors Light. This is the first time they have brewed more than one beer at a time in the company's history. By 1991, Coors is finally available nationwide. With on your side. 1991. 91, uh, when they finally made it to Indiana. Indiana was the final state to get Coors. Uh, during the 1990s, Coors became the third largest brewery in the nation and enjoys the fastest volume growth rate in the industry. So it's been 27 years mm-hmm. since... Like, isn't that crazy? Like, it I don't forever, because you got to look... I mean... In their early history, as they started getting out there, Prohibition hit and yeah. crippled them. And then they start building again. And then World War II hit. And and then people come <laughs> dying, apparently. But <laughs> Yeah, just a, a, a slow slog to get, uh, you know, to make its way out to the, to the rest. It, it, it being in such high demand is just a strange thing to me. But I wonder what that particular version of the beer tasted like, too. So it's one of those things, ask, yeah, ask your parents. Like, yeah. that's still something I want to do. That, ask that, that generation who's going to know, like, what the mystique to Coors was back in the day. My parents that, wouldn't know. <laughs> Dad said he didn't care for it. <laughs> yeah. He said during his, his, his drinking days, he's like, no, nah, didn't care for it. Too hoppy. My dad only has one beer that he goes to, I, so. I, I'm going to say that again. <laughs> it was too hoppy. 70s were a different time. They were. A different era. All right, so here's the fun part. <laughs> uh, on October 9th, 2007, Saab Miller and Molson Coors Brewing Company announced a joint venture to be known as Miller Coors for their U.S. operations that will market all of their products. And we actually didn't even cover where the Molson came from yet. Well, that's a, that's a, a Canadian thing. Oh, okay. Canadian brand. This is all the recent corporate history, and when you start, like, I was like, well, is it Molson Coors? Is it Miller Coors? Is it, what is it? Yeah. And this is kind this of is the... <laughs> the... The general as breakdown as we can get. Yeah. Uh, so in September 2015, Anheuser-Busch InBev announced that it had reached agreement to acquire competitor Saab Miller for $107 billion. During the merger discussions between the two companies... And Sorry, the- I'm just thinking, like, how many, uh, how many ballast points that is. <laughs> So everything's measured now. 107. Yeah. Um, between the two companies in 2015, uh, the DOJ had agreed to propose to the proposed deal on, only on the basis that Saab Miller spins off all its Miller Coors holdings in the U.S., which include both Miller and Coors-held brands. 
along with its Miller brands outside the U.S. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, the entire ownership situation was complicated. In, uh, was, yeah, it was complicated. In the U.S., Coors is majority owned by Miller Coors, a subsidiary of Saab Miller, and minority owned by Molson Coors. We muddy in the waters enough yet? Yeah. Uh, everybody clear on this? Okay. Uh, though internationally, it's entirely owned by Molson Coors, and Miller is owned by Saab Miller. Um, Saab Miller agreed to divest itself of the Miller brands by selling its stake in Miller Coors to Molson Coors. The merger between the two companies closed in October 10th, 2016. The spinoff deal was completed on October 11th. Uh, as per the agreement with the regulators, Saab Miller sold to Molson Coors full ownership of the Miller brand portfolio outside of the U.S. and Puerto Rico for $12 billion. How, how many How many ballast points is that? 12. 12. 12. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> for 12 um, ballast points. So Molson Coors also retained the rights to all the brands currently in the Miller Coors portfolio for the U.S. and Puerto Rico including Reds and import brands such as Peroni, Grolsch, and Pilsner Urquell. Hmm. The, That's right. I keep forgetting they have that one. I know, right? Uh, the agreement made Molson Coors the world's third largest brewer. So, uh, in Canada, Molson Coors regained the right to make and market Miller Genuine Draft and Miller Light. Hmm. So, uh, hopefully that didn't completely confuse everybody it's still it's a little wacky that's kind of why like molson cores and miller cores are both still exist as entities and it's super confusing it's and but and and really the abn bev thing isn't as different any different entirely either like yeah, everything gets wonky when you have to ver like deal with the different countries and like making sure there's no monopoly what yeah. where and yeah but okay let's go ahead and just talk about the current brands i think this will and now, so I'm going to say what I did, on, I think, on the stream also, like, or maybe before we started streaming. Either way. So the thing is, we always kind of think about AB InBev, and we kind of can see those brands now, and we always talk about oh, who they bought out. But I I always forget who Coors actually owns. <laughs> and, like, half of these, I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> yep, these are the, the Miller Coors. Yes. US. The U.S. Uh, brands Miller that are still Coors, a part of Miller a Coors. Saab Miller. Oh, <laughs> Um, so the subsidiary of, of Saab Miller. So we have the obvious one of Coors Light and the Coors Banquet, um, which I think the Coors Banquet is what we used at Stol at, at Nerdtacular. Yeah. yeah, we used it for the, the, the base for our uh, uh, off flavor off flavor tasting. Yeah. It was as neutral as we could get. And they didn't have. I don't think they had light either. No, I don't think weird. so. But <clears throat> Banquet was was it, it, it was fine. Yeah. yeah, it was a beer ass beer. All right, um, um, Miller Light and Miller High Life. Um, obviously the Miller brands made sense. Blue Moon. Uh, I think I keep forgetting that they're owned by them. <laughs> you know, I see them there standing alone without a song in their heart. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and as, as previously mentioned, Line and Kugel. Um, even though I, I always keep thinking it was more of a recent buy of Line and Kugel. No. But I, but I know, yeah. After way you said back that, in the day merger. Uh, so we have the Reds, which is the, um, it's not the a cider, ale. it's an app, yeah, it's an ale with apple. <laughs> uh, a lot of people are, are really into that stuff. Um, All and then the Reds brands. Reds, Reds Wicked, Wicked, which I didn't even know what was the thing. They got, um, they got the hard sodas. Henry's Hard Soda, which I've seen that a lot. Um, and apparently, Henry's Hard Sparkling Water, because keeping up with the times. <laughs> everyone's getting on that train. Yeah, All I can um, think of when I hear Hard Sparkling Water is, you know, guys... They made jokes about us for years about American beer being cl close to being heart. like sex in a canoe. Yeah. You're not helping. No, not at all. Uh, something called Hop Valley. I'm not as familiar with that one. Or Revolver Brewing. I've seen the logo for Revolver around. Never actually had anything with it. Now, uh, St. Archer, I've actually heard of, but I don't know if I've seen their stuff. Terrapin, I've seen. Terrapin, Terrapin definitely. Was another huge dollar buyout. Mm -hmm. uh, then Peroni, uh, Italy. And then we've got the Pilsner Urquell, which we also mentioned, which I, again, they, forgot they, about. They are allowed to, to distribute here. They don't, I don't think, 
outright own them. Okay. Yeah, they distribute it. See, that that stuff gets tricky, too. Uh, Crispin Cider. Kind of a big cider brand that you see, like, really everywhere. Um, Keystone Light. Oddly, like, it doesn't say just Keystone. It's Keystone Light. Like, do they have other Keystone things? I think it's just Keystone yeah. Light. Weird. Uh, Milwaukee's Best. The Beast. Ham's Beer. Like, oh, H-A-M-M. Yeah. Ham's. Yeah. I've never heard of it. Oh, no. It's, that's... Not only like its logo is like so throwbacky to like fifties, kind of. So here we're getting into something I didn't realize how deep they were in for the like malt beverage how category deep is your beer? because you get like Steel Reserve and oh, the yeah. uh, Arnold Palmer Spiked, mm. yeah, course products. And then what is the? Well, I guess it's a Spanish brand or something. Aguila, Aguila, uh, Refresca Nuestra Pasión. Yeah. Sure. Um, Still taking those Spanish lessons. Uh, <laughs> Barman, yeah. Um, Colorado Native is just the name of that Colorado other brewery. Native Loggers. And then uh, Coors Non-Alcoholic. Didn't realize that existed, by the way. <laughs> I, okay. Cristal? Is that literally that the same crist- uh, thing? I don't no. think so. No. Not the... Okay. But it, it look, that's how it's spelled. Cristal. Uh, They've got Killian's. Kuskenya? Yeah. I thought they were owned by ABM Best. No, of course. That's why oh, the thing okay, okay. I always See, brought up because people like really, I don't want to say dumb places, but I guess they're smart with dumb clientele, sell Killian's sell as, an as an import. import yeah. Right, no. Despite the fact that the bottle clearly says brewed in Colorado. Yeah. That's right. I, I, for some reason, it's an I'm Irish red. Yeah, yeah, for my brain was thinking of them as, as ABM Bev for whatever reason. Because we knew they were owned by somebody. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's see. I've never heard of Grolsch. Another uh, uh, other imports. Fosters. Are, yeah, because Australian Fosters. Crap. Yeah. Fosters Austra- is nasty. Australian I like for brood in Colorado. <laughs> Basically, it, you know, it's uh, okay. It's not great, but it's. I do it's not like it. Uh, uh, Miller High Life Light, Miller Genuine Draft, Mickey's, Mickey's, fine. Mickey's fine malt liquor. The little, the little, the little green grenades. You know, and that's th- th- fine. they give you a little puzzle so you know when you're absolutely smashed and need to stop drinking. That's fine. I can get me some Red Dog from them, though. <laughs> yeah, I've never th- ha- seen or heard of Red Dog. Red either. Dog. You got God. your Miller sixty four, uh, Molson. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I I didn't uh, the Smith and Forge hard cider, which I oh, I've oh, seen yeah, a lot yeah. of as well. So uh, Sharps, you got your Sharps in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have that, oh, they also got, have a OE passing up the OE. Hmm? Again with the the malt old liquors. English. Oh, old the English. old English. Okay. I don't know what it is. Um, uh, there, this the is a soul, the cerveza, oh, yeah. um, which I've seen a lot. That's actually. the one we had talked about. That was the company that sued uh, Bell's because that was the oh, original this, name oh, for Oberon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It used to be called Soul, and so Bell's had to change the name to Oberon. Okay. Also, Zima. Didn't realize that either. Zima. We Got covered your... it when we talked about the malt thing because that that was their big you know Coors put out. Put yeah. out Zima. That's Zima and yeah, the current, current one, Sparks, which everyone's all into. Oh, I had Sparks in college. Wow. And and what's this other brand? Two Hats. Oh, yeah. Is that the one that, like, Already died? defunct. Yeah. It's already gone, but it's still up on their website. Steel Reserve Triple Export 8.1%. Mm. All right. Um, but yeah, so that's that's quite a few brands. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> They've, you know, and it's confusing about... What what is theirs and what isn't because of the whole, and they're all kind of cheapy brands. <laughs> not really, yeah. They they're not posting any big, <laughs> like so. It's weird because like AB InBev, you see them buying things now, like Wicked Weed, and they've got Goose Island, which makes you know stouts and 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 other kinds of beers. Whereas Coors, they're like, we're all making the same thing roughly. Coors is going for a <laughs> different market. Yeah. yeah, well, because there's they've at least they're smart in that they've got the 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 hard sodas. They've got um, two big cider names, uh, not to mention the red stuff, which I, a lot of people like. So what it looks plus Blue like, Moon is like it sold at every restaurant ever, and people yeah. always are about it. Yeah, when you go over the brands they own, it becomes obvious really quickly. Like their their kind of strategy is they're chasing where the mainstream consumer. where the industry is going yeah whereas abm bev is just trying to become the industry yeah yeah <laughs> it, 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 and and going over the history a little bit even even the the basics that we've covered today 
it, it really makes sense because they're all, it seemed like the family was very business minded, like, nope, we need to go in this direction now. And they're just like, okay, here we go. Or he's always, you know, taking on business partners and buying them out within the year. Both, yes. <laughs> All, All right. right. I think that uh, about does it. So that is like the the basic overview for cores. Uh, as as we mentioned, we're gonna have to get into Miller separately, <laughs> and separately. and maybe Molson separately, and yeah, and we do we still have to do an episode on Lining Kugel, quite frankly. So there were some of those. We on might there. be able to tie that in with the Miller. Yeah, looking down there, I was like, you do a, do an episode on hams. Yeah, we do didn't know what it was, and I was like, oh, that's that's a sign. Yeah. All right. Well, we uh, need to know. Let's get into what uh, we've been drinking. Besides all day. Drink with me, friend. So uh, I didn't have a. I don't think I had a single IPA, did I? <laughs> I did today. So right now I'm just drinking water. Um, I finished my Mexican Coke because <laughs> caffeine. The li- it's been a long day. Look, the, the hours... little amount of caffeine that I, I'm allowed to have. So. Uh. Yeah. Hours of drinking. Uh, so all day today, we're just drinking tons and tons of Meritzens and Fest beers and the odd uh, the odd milkshake. Some, yeah, some, some random yeah. sours, essentially. But uh, since it's showtime. Showtime, uh, we're drinking we're, drinking a tall boy here. I had to get out a Coors Light. And we're being fancy and drinking it from wine glasses. You know, it, it looks a lot nicer in those glasses, actually. It actually, when you pour it. It looks like champagne. Yeah, like it looks like you've got a champagne or a cider or something, you know? You know. Some Stella. I, w- I will give just, them this. It is crystal, crystal clear. I was going to say, it's clean, it's crisp, it's water. It's a beer-ass beer, is what it comes down to. It's water-ass beer. Should have queued up one of those old clips of the... It's like sex in a canoe. Yeah. Yeah. Bloody close to water. Uh, I mean, it, it's consistent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, 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 I'm never worried about getting a bad case of, of court. You know, I'm making fun of it. If if I'm stuck and like, oh, we've got course. All right. All right. No, don't drink a well, beer. Make, make I, it work. I, for some reason, and I don't know why... And, and I've always, I've felt this way since I was able to drink in college. Coors is in I, I would go Coors, yeah, like I would go Coors over Bud so any day of the week. She's a Coors kind of gal, but like it's not it's not like any of us would just jump to it, you know. But like when I don't know if you're thinking like you have to bring in college, for example, it's like the perfect example. But like you you were bringing stuff to a party, you're gonna bring Coors Light. Let's be serious. Like it's it's cheap. You it comes in cans, which is convenient. And it was like one of the best cans you can get, and then I don't know, like everybody's gonna like it because it's just a beer. Like it just, yeah. It's like your your beer pong beer. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I like I was joking if we were, were, you know, saying like, oh god, this is just water. It kind of is, but it it it's widely commercially successful for a reason. It's it's ma- it's the mainstream beer. What even is? The ABV for this, uh, non-existent. Because it's not. I don't even see it anywhere. I'm feeling hydrated though. Yeah, it's uh, it's refreshing and bringing me back. That or the, or all the coffee, ate, coffee drinks I just had and the Red Bull. <laughs> uh, no joke. There's no ABV listed on here. Pretty sure that's illegal. Probably on there somewhere. I said about does this. Yeah, that's 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 gonna be a look. We're 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 fading fast here. So do you have any uh, other thoughts on Coors? Uh, 4.2% alcohol by volume. Higher oh. than I would have thought. Yeah, okay. I was I was going somewhere below 5. That's. I was thinking in the 3s for some reason. They probably have a variant for uh For Utah, for that's, Utah. What, that's what, yeah. Um, do you guys have any... Uh, it's been a minute, I'm sure, since you've had actual like, Coors Light. I mean, so. it's a beer-ass beer. That's all that can be said for it. It would kind of, I guess, go with anything. It's it, inoffensive. It's like a yeah. pizza beer. <laughs> inoffensive, I think, is the best best term for it. Uh, uh, to most most people, it's going to be inoffensive. To me, it feels kind of offensive. <laughs> it's lack but of anything. Would, would you? I, I'm still wondering, and I, I I don't know if we've done this before, but or maybe it has to be in like that light beer episode I still want to do that mm. blind tasting. Coors Light or Bud Light? Can we tell the difference? 
I don't know if I can tell the difference. I feel like this looks, you know, like it's got a little more color than any Bud Lights I've seen. Yeah, that's true. Recently, so. Uh, Bud, Bud Light pours out a very pale yellow. Miller and Coors have a similar color. Now, I think Miller Light has a very different taste. Um, I remember having that. I think it was one of the Rev Payton shows we went to at, at when it was still Southgate House. Well, when we did one of the blind tastings, Casey put a Miller Genuine. It was Genuine Draft. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I someone Mil- was able to pick it out. Miller Light has a very distinct like, I like a weird bitter or half bitter, half skunky taste or something. It, it's weird, but um, but yeah, I uh, I think I'd prefer Coors Light. Mm. Well. All right, I think that's uh, we're gonna start to close this one out. Uh, you guys can sub- subscribe <laughs> to get some great resources at haveadrinkshow dot com. You can follow us at Have a Drink Show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. Uh, not not YouTube really YouTube, YouTube anymore. anymore. So we got we didn't update that either. <laughs> and please rate the show on iTunes uh, to help spread the word. Don't forget, you can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. You can use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow dot com. You can also use the feedback page on the website. I'm still waiting on those carrier pigeons, though. Mm-hmm. They may have been shot down. You may need to send send, send, send more. So that's how you could do have been it. hit you by send, Amazon drones for all we know. You got to send out a whole flock. Hope some get past the what's, the shelling. What's the joke that that's in? And uh, is in disenchantment where it's turkeys. Oh, because they they, can't, they don't actually fly. Yeah, they don't actually fly. God, they just run the messages. God is my witness. I thought turkeys could fly. All right, all joking fun aside, guys, I'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. Yes, and uh, so check us out, not next Saturday for the next live episode, but uh, by the end of next weekend, our next episode will be up. Uh, but the next live episode will be up in, or it will be in two weeks. Yes. Sure. The okay. fir- yes. It'll be the first weekend of October will be our, our next live episode. So, yeah, we're, we're really getting to the end of the year here. Um <laughs> So, uh, and remember to check out patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. And once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs> <laughs>